Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan. Yes, folks, we are back here in studio. It's been a couple weeks for you. It has, it has. It's been a busy couple weeks. It's been a busy couple weeks. You were on the road uh, out there in God's country for a good eight or nine days. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenal trip. Glad you made it back safe and uh, was well worth your time. And Well, here we are. Welcome to the show. If you're joining us first time here on Root Sports, I uh, appreciate that. Uh, take some time, if you would, help us out. Get on over to all our social media platforms, Facebook. Give us a uh, like and follow. Go to our YouTube channel, uh, Fish Hunt NW. And, of course, you can subscribe so you'll never miss any of the additional content we put out there. Check out our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. You're also going to find a coupon code there for Edge Rods, FHN20. All Edge Rods are 20% off all the time unless they fall underneath or with a uh, different coupon code or special. So through Fish on Northwest and Edge Rods, you're getting 20% off all fishing rods all the time. Uh, yes, welcome to the show. Welcome everybody here streaming live tonight. We got another great show lined up. Lots of good content. Some controversial stuff already yes. rearing its ugly head, Tommy. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, you just when you think we have a lack of potential content, there's never a lack of content. There in never is. State. You know, it's just no. kind of crazy how all this stuff goes. So. Uh, by the way, fall has officially arrived. Fall has... It, it has actually, it? Well, on the calendar, it was September 22nd. Yeah. Okay? The calendar was September 22nd, but after today, this nice little push of rain, mm-hmm. we've been wanting rain, and I've been following the forecast and paying attention. Careful what you ask for. I mean... It's coming. Oh, it's yeah. uh, it's going to be here this weekend. We'll get into all that here in a little bit as well, but thank God the rain is finally here Maybe we'll get a handle on some of these fires and uh, start knocking down some of this smoke. It was that would be nice. It was bad the last couple of days. So hopefully you haven't had to battle too much smoke where you reside, but uh, we've had it in around the Olympia area for quite some time. So, um, hey, I want to remind everybody, also tonight going on, we'd prefer if you just stay here and watch us and catch up on this later, but WDFW, Tommy, is hosting the first installment of the virtual town hall meeting via Zoom. You can go to our Facebook page and get all the information there. Click on the link. The Zoom meeting for Steelhead Management as we roll into this 2022-2023 season. 
Uh, lots of folks are curious where we're going to land as far as, you know, do we get to steelhead fish this year, north coast, south coast, where are we going to end up? Or is everything going to simply be up north, you know, <clears throat> north sound with some opportunities? So mm -hmm. tune in, follow along on these virtual meetings. There's going to be a few of them as they work our way through the fall here, setting up that potential winter steelhead season. So just want to remind everybody of that. Uh, great info hopefully coming out of there, and I'm going to catch up on that later, hopefully not be too disappointed with the lack of opportunity. I think we got a shot this year. I think, I think we got a shot. So uh, we'll see where that goes. All right, before we get too far along here, running down the show, lots of content to get through, as always. Just back from Elk Camp, Tommy Donlin himself, was he successful? The full story and lessons learned coming up after the break. Then, as we mentioned, hey, we got a weather change. It's finally here. <clears throat> it is coming, and... Uh, what you need to know to be ready, where to look for reliable intel before you hit these rivers. We're going to walk you through that process, and I think you're going to enjoy that. Uh, an FHN quick tip tonight, Tommy, the weed grabber. Uh, once you see it, you'll understand why I use it and how uh, really well it works. Then we're bringing back a longtime friend, second half of the show, Tom Ryle, Pacific Northwest bow hunting, blacktail hunting, and this weather change. Will it be beneficial, Tommy? Will it? I think uh, folks will be surprised. WDFW under attack once again. The inaugural Washington Fish and Wildlife Management Reform Convention. Sounds pretty fancy. You will not believe this. Stick around because we're going to break that down for you so you understand. Once again, they're falling under attack. Then we'll close out the show with some options and things to look forward to this weekend. I'm excited about this weather. I don't know about you, Tommy, but... Uh, this weather has... It's definitely going to change animal behavior. Animal behavior, yep. uh, opportunity to bring those rivers up, get some rivers reopened. You know, mm -hmm. we have in excess of 50 rivers closed right now due to low, extreme low water conditions and mm -hmm. the, the plight of the salmon, if you will. So, uh, yeah, we've needed some water. Uh, it's coming, and we're going to get into all that here as we move forward. But, um, yeah, it is going to change the behavior of these animals in the woods for mm -hmm. certain. So I'm excited about hunting this weekend. All right. Don't go anywhere. Jump out for a quick break. We come back. We'll be right back here in studio with this man sitting to my immediate right. Going to break down this elk hunt, Idaho bull elk hunt, and how it went down. All that and more right here after the break, Fish Hunt Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. All right, welcome back here in studio to Winning with Tommy Donlin. And so you are back. Missed you last week. I am back. Dog filling in for yep. you. Yep, came back, and the, the children gave me a wonderful gift of a cold. Oh, how about that, yep. huh? First Perfect and timing. foremost. Yeah, right. after you physically right. have kind of beat your body down a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah, You're exactly. susceptible to that stuff. So, hey, first time hunting in this GMU over there in Idaho. Correct. Now, yep. is this a uh, spike 
and or uh, branch bull? Is it it's, any bull? It's an antlered. They consider it an antlered elkhorn. So antlered yep. elkhorn. Yep. Okay. All right. Kind of uh, conditions were interesting. We'll get into that. So kind of describe the area. Were you seeing many animals? Was it a bit of a challenge? Kind of. Yeah. Give us so a we we there. scouted for three days. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, we did. We did right off the bat. You know, we're driving around. We're checking out different spots, hiking into some areas, um, and uh, doing a little bit of bugling to which we got responses, right? And, uh, you know, we ended up cutting a small herd right on the road, right? Oh. Bull, bull and cows crossing the road. Um, bull stops in the middle of the road because he's got a cow down below the road. And he stood there. We shut the truck off and just watched him at about 40 yards for three minutes. Oh. And he was so worried about that one cow, he just stood in the stood right in the road. He wasn't going nowhere. Yep, six by six. Oh. Yep. This was what, two days before the opener? This was two days before the opener. Right. Yep. Right. And so definitely had, like, you know, elk in the area. Yep. A lot of good activity. Yep. Um, you know, speaking of conditions, the conditions were really warm, right? So these elk were up high. They were in some heavy timber, mm. you know, and then we had to fight the full moon as well, right? And we know, but They like, were talking, huh? They're making some noise? They were talking up until about the day before the season started, uh. right? So, we, you know, we're there three days early, and we're thinking, this is great. There's not a lot of people here. Well, yeah. they all showed up on Sunday, right? Yeah. And there was a camp here, camp there, you know, and then all of a sudden you're not seeing elk, right? That that evening before, you like to have them tied to a tree, right? So yep. you go out opening morning, they're right there, <laughs> and you can do your deed. What but. I find interesting is, like, you show up to that area, and you're seeing elk, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, right? Like, we're opening day is going to be... Yeah. And then the humans start showing up and scatter around the landscape and every car door that slams and every tent that goes up and every tailgate that slams right. and people hollering and vehicles driving up and down roads. <clears throat> Animals pick up on every single one of right. those and go, I don't like that. I don't like that. And they slowly right. just start migrating out of that area because it's just too noisy for them, right? Correct, correct. And that's kind of what probably was going that, on. That's what was going on. The unfortunate thing is, you know, usually these animals, um, where we chase them, it's it's out of reach. Like, yeah. you got to do a lot of physical labor in order to get to where they usually are. You don't just drive right to them. You don't drive right to them. Yeah. In this condition, unfortunately, with the weather the way it was, mm -hmm. it put them right in the strike zone of any road hunter, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, they get they get pressured a lot. They're not going to come out during the day. they got a full moon. They can feed at night. Sure. Right? And so it's just really tough hunting. So you had unseasonably warm conditions and a full moon cycle for, you know, three, four nights, you know, that kept them active at night. Oh, we had it for the whole week. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. You know, clear skies, sunny, right? Yep. No overcast, no rain, dry as hell. Did you guys take a break midday or did you get out there and just keep looking? Um, we tried to keep out, you know, stay out there and keep mm -hmm. looking as much as we could. Yeah. Uh, we really did. Well, um, Kind of lay it out for us then. What kind of game plan did you put together knowing the conditions yeah, so, of what you're up against? You know, with the scouting, what we figured out is it's really about what elevation are they, right? Okay, so we dialed that in in the scouting. Kind of knew where they were, um, you know, and then from there, it's trying to figure out, okay, where can we find that elevation where they have the least amount of pressure from people? Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then once you find those areas, it's trying to say, okay, where is their major travel route, right? From their bed to their feed zone, mm -hmm. where is that at? So finding those like, you know, like where it looks like somebody took a rototiller yep. and just went through the timber yeah. with it, right? Yeah. That's what you're looking for. Sure. And then just setting up on those travel paths mm -hmm. and trying to catch them going back to their bed at first light, right? And that's an iffy game because, you know, you got to play the thermals. Yep. You got to hope that they're still feeding yep. in the morning, yep. right? 
And so, you know, sometimes it's a strikeout and sometimes you're going to intercept them. Well, you and Mark out of the entire group ended up both getting an elk. You got spikes, we did. We right? Did. We got spikes. But you weren't seeing squat. We weren't seeing squat. So when I got down into my zone, I was I was thinking to myself, you know, I did a lot of work to get to where I was. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to bugle. I'm going to bugle. And Just I got a very, a, go. a very intense bugling lesson mm -hmm. earlier that day mm -hmm. from one of the guys that's a pro in camp yeah. um, for about an hour and a half, right? And uh, I was using the, the green amp, Phelps amp, Phelps right? Amp, Phelps yep. diaphragm mm -hmm. call um, and the bugle tube, right? And so I go out there and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm not seeing anything. I'm not hearing anything. You know, what, what can I lose with this situation, right? Tough conditions. So boom, I rip out a bugle, chuckle a little bit, you know, very generic, right? No answer. And I'm like, ah, I didn't really expect a response. Sure. And then two minutes later, this spike comes running down the hill looking for the party. Wanted to see what's right? going on, yeah. And just, just a solo, he was by himself, you know, no cows, no other bull, nothing. And um, I pick him up and I'm thinking, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, there's a lot of big bulls here, but at the same time, you know, these veterans, the guys that got 30 bulls to their name, yeah. one of the guys had 40 bulls plus to his name, I'm thinking, they would say, you know, the conditions are such where, you know, they would consider a spike. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you don't have to tell me twice, I want the meat, right? Yep. First and foremost. and so. You know, he's running down the hill, stops behind a tree. I'm thinking, okay, am I going to get a shot at this guy? Because he's looking, he's looking for the bugle. So you got the spike down the hill, stop behind a tree. Right, stop we're gonna, behind the we're tree. We're going to freeze right yep. there. We're going to come back with part two of this. All right. Uh, later on the show, so don't go anywhere. Tommy, does he seal the deal? Does he get the spike? I guess we'll find out. Don't go anywhere. Jump out for a quick break. We come back. We're going to talk through some conditions, river conditions, weather conditions, some charts and graphs for you to look at and how to be ready for when these rivers get on the drop. Right here, Fish on Northwest. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse chine and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied boats will have it for you. Contact Allied Boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. Hi, this is Joe and Megan from Archery World. Uh, we have four store locations. We are at the Lacey location right now. I uh, just want to highlight some of our camping gear. We have uh, Mystery Ranch Packs. We have Crispy Boots. We have Six Hour Optics. We carry Havilon Knives. We carry Garmin products as well. So it's not just archery. We want to try to make this one-stop shopping for you guys. And so if you need it and it puts you in the outdoors, we probably have it. So come down and see us. All right, welcome back to Fish on Northwest. So Tommy, we got a bit of change of weather coming. Today mm -hmm. was kind of an indicator. We got some rain that showed up actually this afternoon versus later, later this evening, early morning. And uh, been wanting the rain to get here, and you know me, I'm a weather nut when it comes to river conditions, uh, rainfall, accumulations. That you are. The extremely dry conditions now, what's it going to do to the water, how dirty is it going to mm -hmm. get, right? All those things come into factor when you're trying to figure out, okay, when can we get back to fishing? First of all, we have to get enough rain that WDFW opens back up these rivers, and they have indicated uh, they're watching the gauge as well, and as they see an uptick in water, and they know they're going to rise and have to get on the fall, so... They got a couple days to go ahead and announce it gives us a couple days to, you know, mm -hmm. be ready for it to go. So 
where do I go for information? What do I pay attention to? Well, you know, you can pull up AccuWeather. Uh, it typically gives you a good, you can look at the month and you can kind of gauge how much rainfall. If you click on each one of those and pull up total rain accumulation per day, I can actually add those up throughout the week and get an overall rain accumulation over a five, six, seven day period. That kind of tells me what we're in for, two inches. You know, if I look at this week here, we're in for about two, two and a half inches of rain. How much is that going to affect the weather? Well, that is one, you know, place to go to kind of look at, for me, comparisons, right? I really like to go to the NOAA site, the Northwest River Forecast Center. First, I look at the 10-day meteorological forecast of rain, and that's, you know, when you pull that slide up, now this, uh, the first one on the far left is always your rain indicator, um, and that is, uh, that's from a couple days ago. We haven't had any rain, but as you roll through the week, and we get later into the week, and I, and I stack the six uh, days together there, you're going to see a pretty significant amount of rain uh, for six, seven, eight days in a row if I was to keep going on that chart. We got a solid seven, eight days coming. If it's yellow on the tops of those ridge mountains, you're getting in excess of one inch up in the mountains. Dark green down the lower valleys and whatnot is at least a half to three quarters of an inch. So when I start stacking these accumulations up, which tend to be a lot more accurate than AccuWeather, uh, this is where I start leaning heavily towards after a five or six day accumulation. We're looking at two and a half to almost three inches of rain. Hmm. How does that affect our rivers? Well, the nice thing about the NOAA River Forecast Center, you get the 10 day and you can also click onto the River Forecast Center, which really paints a picture. Now, I pulled up four different rivers throughout the Northwest. Uh, one or two of them are up north or mid, mid uh, Puget Sound and some are out here on the coast. And you can see we have a common theme here. The red indicates where these rivers are going to go. The current uh, situation is the blue line. The green portion of that is what's coming in the next 24 hours or so, or the next couple days. But that red line really end up <clears throat> indicates what we're in for. And what you'll see on all of those is we have a steady rise and they haven't peaked yet, right? We have to bump that another day or two as the calendar clicks along here to truly see when those rivers are gonna crest and when they're gonna get on the fall. Yeah, and this looks out, what, about one week? Yeah, that well, so that one right there, if I remember right, it, it punches it out there to like the 30th. Okay. So it's a, it's a eight to 10 day forecast to indicate where that river's gonna go. Now, sometimes it's right on par, other times um, you're gonna see that the line varies a little from the actual. The other one you can compare the projection to is the actual tell of what's going on right now at USGS Water Resource Center. That one's going to give you the actual current. If the, if the river has a current gauge on it, it'll give you the gauge of what's currently going on like right now. And you can also gauge on that based on rate of raise and rate of fall. You can kind of put those two together and understand, well, when is this river going to get back into shape? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's fishable. Now, the one thing we'll be up against here with two and a half to three inches of rain coming over the next week is the turbidity in all these rivers is just going to be absolutely horrible. Right. This is the first real rain we've gotten. First washout, right? right? So all right. the dry leaves, all the dry sticks, all the mm -hmm. dust and debris, all the stuff on the shorelines is going to get swooped up and washed down. And so these, uh, these rivers are going to be dirty for three, four, five days. Now, the one thing we have going in our favor also is Sunday night, Monday, we're finally going to dip down into that 35, 36 degree temperatures. And we'll get into uh, what that's going to do in the woods here with Tom Ryle uh, next segment uh, yeah. down the road here. But 
as far as river forecasting, cooler temperatures in the evening helps mm. get the rivers cleaned up faster, right? So, uh, and, our, and our daytime highs are going to be substantially cooler as well. Mm -hmm. So, we do need the water to come. We do need the rivers to rise. One, to get the rivers back open. Two, those fish are going to be moving. If, uh, if you're not familiar, coho, like out here in Grays Harbor, they can be to the hatchery on the Satsup within 24 to 36 hours. That's amazing. Coho yeah. will travel upwards of 20, 25 miles in a 24-hour period. Mm. I mean, they just flat out. If the water is conducive to them right. moving, they move. Right. So you have to be ready to get on the water when it gets on the drop. And I would wait until it's dropped a day or two to get the clarity, get that back mm -hmm. to four to six feet of green visibility that we like. And I think you're gonna be happy with your results. And this is why we keep uh, logs, river logs, because if you have done this in the past and tracked it and you find success at certain levels on these gauges, you wanna document that and duplicate that yeah, for sure. years down the road. So a little insight as to what's to come and what you can do uh, in forecasting your rivers. And hopefully those sites will help you out and you too can find some success. Thank God the rain is finally gonna be here, Tommy. Amen. I can't wait. Fishing and hunting is gonna take a turn for the better. Now, uh, with that, we're gonna jump out for a quick break. We come back, uh, gonna jump you right into this week's FHN quick tip. Gonna show you that little weed grabber stick that I use out there in the harbor to prevent weeds and seaweed getting on your gear. Uh, that'll be here right after this break, right here at Fish on Northwest. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day -day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today. New days, new beginnings, new friends, new loves. New dreams, new goals, new scenery, new job. No matter what the next chapter holds, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate will be there to help you find the new that's right for your lifestyle at any stage of your life. Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Expect better. Hey guys, Dwayne England Fish on Northwest, and I want to bring you this week's quick tip, FHN quick tip. I'm going to show you how uh, productive and useful the little weed grabber, the stick weed grabber that I put onto my gear in these saltwater fisheries can be. Check this out. Okay, oftentimes we're out here fishing in marine waters or, you know, Puget Sound or just anywhere where you got tidal influence, you're going to run into weeds, eelgrass, uh, seaweed, and whatnot. So I like to run these little sticks, these little weed grabbers on my rig. And the other thing you got to be aware of is you can't just set your gear and check bottom once in a while, make sure you're in close proximity where those fish are going to be, uh, and just keep it in the water. So about every 10 minutes or so, go through a rotation here and clear the gear. Make sure the grass and the seaweed and everything is off because if your bait and your gear uh, have weeds on them, you're not fishing. So pretty simple. We're going to check this one, see if we have any debris on the grabber. And if we do, there you go. There's some eel grass on that. I'm also going to check the bait to make sure it doesn't have anything on. But to get those weeds off of that stick, watch this. That's it. And it's clear. 
that little stick across there keeps all that eelgrass and seaweed from getting into your chain swivels and your rotating flasher. Look at the bait and it's uh, nice and clean, spinning really well. So we're gonna drop that back in and keep on fishing. Bottom, come up crank. Back in my Colby, and we're back fishing. And it's and the gear is clean. Now you know you're fishing, okay? And that's why every so often we go through the, the process here, cleaning the weeds off the gear. you go thomas that is your fhn quick tip of the week wonderfully done you know as you as you snapped the rod there and the weeds disappeared you know i was just thinking alexander yes you were it's like magic. They're gone. so yeah, yeah it's so simple those barbecue skewers cut to three or four inches in length and you get a size three barrel swivel right thread your braid right on through that right and it slides up and down wherever i put a bead, great. bead on top of that to protect your guide and you know the it slides really well. When it gets loaded with weeds, it stays put. I think it's because of line angle, but when you are fighting a fish, you can reel right against that bead and take it right mm -hmm. down to the gear, right? Mm -hmm. So it works great. It's just a little trick a guy showed me years ago with a really small barrel swivel and a toothpick, and they kept breaking. I'm like, we gotta beef these up a little bit, right? <laughs> and so um, I use them in Puget Sound, even downrigger fishing, believe yeah. it or not. It, those tide yeah. changes and you get those rafts of weeds oh, yeah. out there and stuff. Yeah, especially Jeff had some of those central yes, sound areas. It yep. saves a big headache for always getting that stuff uh, caught up in your gear. So, all right, that is going to do it for us this week here on Route sports hope you enjoyed that content uh, plenty more to come if you haven't found us uh, lately go ahead and stick around for the second half of the show if you're streaming live tonight stick around for the second half of the show we got tom ryle coming up yes indeed yes we do gonna right talk after, blacktail yes gonna talk blacktail and weather change uh right here on fish on northwest right after this break don't go anywhere we'll be right back Hi, we're Joe and Megan Malico, owners of Archery World up here in Lacey. We're a full pro shop, so we have a full pro service also. We have a huge indoor range. Uh, we carry 11 bow lines, all the major bow lines, and then there's subsidiary uh, companies too. Like if we carry Bowtech, we carry Diamond. If we carry Matthews, we carry Mission. When you come in, we're going to ask you, uh, you know, what kind of price point you're looking for. Um, you know, what's your hope, what's your goals, what's your goal. And with that information in mind, we'll point you in the direction of, uh, you know, that price point goes. And then maybe give you uh, the option to test fire, maybe a higher level bow, just so you can compare. But um, it really is all about... Uh, getting what it is that's going to work for you. We don't upsell anyone. They shoot it, they like it, they don't like it, they don't get it. We don't we don't operate like that. And so if you need it and you're it puts you in the outdoors, we probably have it. So come down and see us. Hey, welcome back Fish on Northwest, Wayne England, Tommy Donlin, and I don't know what you got going tomorrow, but I know where I'm going to be. 
Yeah, Just I'm going to be working. You're going to be working. <laughs> I am going to be in the woods yes. uh, looking for these blacktail on the move because they have been waiting as, as well. Right? Yeah, you lucky so, dog. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And uh, I felt like it was time to get my, uh, my longtime friend here. And no stranger to the show, either via phone or in studio, the man is just legendary when it comes to blacktail. Tom Ryle, Pacific Northwest bow hunting. Uh, we have some stuff to throw at you tonight, my friend, and pick your brain, and hopefully you can give some folks a little bit of insight. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Hey, we're great. Uh, glad you could take some time to join us again tonight. Uh, awful busy, especially this time of year, trying to get you and Abby and tags filled and the whole deal. So, uh, hey, before we get too far, I uh, want to remind folks, you recently posted on WDFW social media, uh, fall big game hunting tips with Tom Ryle. Yeah, yeah. I just, um, you know, we have a, a site that we launched uh, during COVID uh, called mywdfw.com. And, and really that site is geared toward trying to provide in-season content for hunters and anglers and, and even folks interested in foraging. We've got uh, my content guy, Michael Foster, is just, uh, he's a, an avid mushroomer and I've learned a, lo- a ton from him and, and wild edible plants and all of that kind of stuff. So Anyway, that, that video is kind of a, a way to, to try to break down October, November, December for deer, elk, bear, and cougar, and just give people some high-level tips and tactics they can try out this, this fall and hopefully help them fill their tags. It's not super in-depth, but it's a it's an overview video, and I'm, I'm hoping that it helps some, some newer hunters out at least. Yeah, yeah, nicely done. I watched it here a few days ago, and uh, it's very insightful. So uh, I want to talk to you about the current conditions prior to today. So I don't know about you, but walking through the woods sounds like I'm, I'm traipsing through on a bed of potato chips and uh, extremely noisy, extremely loud, and had to, uh, you know, do a lot more sitting than walking. This crazy October we've had, with mid-October, 80-degree temperatures, I got a feeling it's, it's got to have affected the deer in their patterns and kind of just how they go throughout their day. Because, uh, seen you know, the first five or six days on um, of uh, hunting here after the opening, seems, you know, it's been a little tough, been a little tough. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you come off of these, it just seems to be the new weather pattern, right? I mean, yeah. I don't remember ever having a smoke season, but it seems like we do now. <laughs> uh, there's five, but, there's five seasons now. Yeah. <laughs> right. And when you, when you think about this, I mean, you look at the impacts to our fisheries and these rivers and, and the flows and everything else. I mean, imagine big game animals, they all have to drink a couple times a day. Mm-hmm. So water becomes a pretty serious consideration, especially during the early season in September and even our early October until we hit these rains in the fall. Um, you know, water is a significant component to what I'm thinking about when I'm trying to find a place to intercept a deer, especially early and late. Um, but yeah, these conditions have been tough, and I think we're all anticipating the low pressure coming in and hopefully some cooler temperatures and some moisture and trying to soften up all this brittle <laughs> understory that we're walking around on. Right. Um, I've stayed completely out of my areas because I just, you know, I just don't want to bugger anything up, and I've got one good water source at one of those spots. And so I'm just typical blacktail fashion. I'm, I'm hunting on faith tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to go out actually going to hunt out of a saddle tomorrow so I can stay mobile, but I'm going to go in, pick a tree. I've got two trails that I I'm kind of watching. I have no camera pictures. I have nothing to go on, but faith from last Mm. year and, and we'll see what happens. 
So, you know, speaking of which, you know, we've got a lot of rain on the way. Um, tomorrow, I think we're supposed to get over a half inch Tom in a lot of areas. Yep. I know what a weather pattern can do to, you know, whitetail, mule deer, and, and even elk, you know, on the other side of the mountain range. And we're talking blacktail here. What is all this rain going to do, and what can hunters expect to see with this push of water coming through? Well, I think it's all positive because not only are we going to get the moisture uh, and and just it's kind of well known that blacktails seem to, to thrive in the wind and the rain in the fall. So we're going to get this moisture. Um, that obviously is going to add all the vegetation, which means they're not going to need to go to water to drink. Mm. So they're going to be able to get a lot of their water intake just by browsing. So you might see deer browsing a little longer uh, and even midday browsing. If you can find a, a secluded opening, um, you know, I, I think of those secluded pockets of timber, especially in mixed forests where you have alder, maple, and, uh, you know, 50, 60-year-old Doug fir. You get into that mix of, of mixed timber like that, and there's a lot of openings, and deer can be up moving around midday and not be seen from a road or anywhere. So hunting off the ground and moving and uh, keeping the wind in your face all day long can be a good opportunity. Now you pair that with dropping temperatures – which I think has a, just a significant impact on deer movement. When you go from a high of like today, I think was 60, you know, we're going to be dropping into the fifties and forties at night. We had another night the other morning. I woke up, it was 39. Uh, it looks like Saturday, we're going to be about 36 overnight. Next Thursday, we're going to be down to 37. Mm. Um, when you get those dips and you've got moisture, you're just going to see a lot more blacktail activity. And of course, layer that with the pre-rut ramping up right now uh, as we get into the end of the month uh, it's going to be pretty bonkers i think so you know going into this this past week the handful of days that i kind of went up into an area i've been putting some eyes on i i was pretty amazed i mean i've kind of done this before in some ground blind hunts and whatnot tom but i was kind of amazed in the ability to sit kind of immerse myself into the landscape i actually had a doe walk within 20 yards of me uh two nights ago she just came up i heard her in the brush behind me came up, stopped, kind of looked around. I didn't move. She didn't smell me, didn't see me. She just walked away, you know, didn't. So the ability to actually observe deer and hear them so loudly because everything, you know, like us, traipsing through the woods and, and they're long gone before we ever see them. But if you sit All right. and wait and just observe, you know, opening day, I saw seven or eight does just kind of walking amongst the landscape and every one of them walking through, I can hear them. I can definitely see them. You hear them long before, you know, when they jump over logs and stuff, it's a pretty good thud. Oh, when yeah. they're breaking sticks, I think I told you a little song that went off in my head from uh, the police back <laughs> in 1983. Every step you take, every stick you break, I'll be watching you. Yeah, that's what I felt like the deer would be doing. So I sat and I observed. But now with this rain, you. you know, it seems like in a, in historically uh, have done this. Uh, get up and move around from time to time. Work your way through some of the brush and through some of the timber you know, and kind of work some areas over versus just sitting around. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I heard that song right after we, we were texting about that or talked to you on the phone. <laughs> I, I heard that song the next day and I was just laughing to myself driving down the road. Yeah. Inv inventing lyrics to go along with the song. But, right. Uh, right. Yeah. No, you're, you're dead on. And I think, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, you're sort of starting to dabble into hunting methods for blacktails and, 
uh, you know, I love to still hunt, but I only do that when it's windy and rainy, you know, because nobody likes to sit for too long and I've spent daylight till dark in a tree stand and that'll drive you bonkers a little bit. Um, but you can get up and move throughout the day. You can put some boots on the ground and do some in season scouting and, and kind of poke into some areas. I would, I would recommend, you know, if people want to try to make something happen, we're definitely at the time of year where we can start using some light rattling and sparring to you know pull deer out of thickets i love to do this near bedding areas or, or swamps um midday you know from like 10 to 2 yeah if you want to get on the ground and move around and try to mix it up a bit you can get the wind in your face and and do some light sparring or tickling of some uh, antlers or even a rattle bag and you know, i've got articles on how to do all that on mm-hmm. my site but at the end of the day uh, geez, these deer, the testosterone is starting to crank and they're going to get a lot more curious and, you know, we're not in full on breeding season. That's not going to happen for a while, but as we ramp up to the end of October, the pre-rut phase will start to heat up and you're going to see a lot more activity and a lot more interest in, uh, you know, calling. So mm-hmm. something to think about. So talk a little bit more, um, Tom, if, if you could about thermals, you mentioned when, um, you know, keeping the wind in your face, what is your general approach? If you don't, if you don't have a prevailing wind from a direction and you just kind of have that thermal coming down the mountain in the morning. And then as soon as the sun hits it, um, coming up in the afternoon, are you, are you, are you waiting, uh, for that thermal to develop or, or waiting until the sun gets up to understand which direction the wind's really going. And then, um, you know, along with the thermals, talk a little bit about your approach on, you know, calling and rattling. Is it, you know, we're pre-rut. So, you know, how much, what does that progression look like for you? Yeah. So on, on the thermal side, I mean, keep in mind, I am, I am, my, my DNA is a bow hunter. I, I've never <laughs> shot a deer with a, with a rifle. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of weird to think about that, but, um, so I'm always in a more of a micro kind of space when i think about wind i'm constantly checking the wind and in especially in western washington if we're talking blacktails you know in logging units and bigger country like that you can maybe predict some of the wind currents but when those winds hit a big stand a tree line of of mature douglas fir it's gonna it's gonna bounce around and it's gonna swirl it's really really hard to get a consistent wind Uh, even tree stands when i set up my stands I do my best, but there's days I get in a stand at daylight and the wind is going the complete wrong direction five minutes after I sit down and get settled. Mm-hmm. There's times I climb out and leave. Uh, and there's other times where I say, well, I'm just going to roll the dice here and, and see what happens. So my scent control regimen is more meticulous than most because mm-hmm. of that. So I'm, I'm kind of more of a micro, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in that sort of sphere of a couple hundred yards or less mm. in my mindset around scent and wind direction. Right. So I don't know if that really helps answer your question, but as far as the rut and rattling and calling um, right now, what I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm probably just going to sit the, the three hours I have or so to hunt tomorrow afternoon. I'm just going to sit and observe, but Saturday morning, if I'm able to get out, I'm going to probably do some, some light rattling and those sequences are much shorter than they will be later in the month and in mm. early November. 
So I'm like 15 to 20, 30 seconds at the most, just some light tickling, sparring, just enough to get some sound out there. And, and then I'll wait 30 minutes, do it again, um, wait another 30 minutes to an hour. And I may just hang it up at that point because generally, um, especially the time of day that I'm going to be doing that, I'm expecting deer to be moving anyway as the, as the evening comes on. Um, I don't want to overdo it and make things sound too unnatural. Uh, I think with any calling, you want to, you know, you think of calling just like bait. You know, you're trying to attract an animal to an audible sound. So you need to think about the scenario that you're creating. You can't just, well, I shouldn't say you can't. People do things all the time that work. Um, <laughs> you make a sound, you should think about what sound you're making. What's the scenario you're trying to emulate out there in the woods. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll do, I'll do a couple soft doe bleats, wait 20 minutes. Then I might do some sparring. And the scenario there is that a doe is there bleated. A buck came in, is milling around with her, and then another buck showed up, and now there's having a little tussle about who's who. You know, and you've got to give that patience. You've got to think about what would deer actually do in that sure. scenario and how long would that take? You know what I mean? So um, you just got to kind of almost daydream in your head the scenario that you want to create mm-hmm. and then just let it play out. You're basically writing a script. You know, you're writing yeah. a script. Yes. And then you're going Precise. to follow that script, right? And yep. uh, try to convince them that this is a natural occurrence, not just some fabricated, you know, right. weird off offbeat sounding thing that does not sound natural. And so, hopefully you're a good director. Hopefully you're a good and director. And the buck appears. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, uh, one thing I know for certain is this weather change and blacktail and, uh, you know, the opportunity this weekend is pretty good. And, of course, as we get closer to that end date of uh, October 31, you know, there always seems to be a lot of activity between the 27th and 31st, but what are your yeah. thoughts this weekend, uh, before we get uh, get done here, Tom, this weekend, uh, if you got the opportunity, you should be hitting the deer woods if you're looking for blacktail, don't you think? Yeah, the next 10 days, the 21st yeah. and 31st, um, you're looking at high level here, you're looking at highs at about 59, you're looking at lows in the low 40s. There's a couple days where it might we'll have a couple high pressure breaks in there on the 23rd and 27th, which... I wouldn't even consider factors in all of this. If you look at this at a high level, we're getting the weather change we need and it's coinciding with the pre-rut ramping up. So yeah. if you're looking to shoot a black tail this year with your, with your gun or you have a multi-season tag, these next uh, 10 days are going to be money. Fantastic. Well, hey, buddy, always yeah. appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, looking forward to one day to get you back here in studio where we can really break stuff down, demonstrate some calling, demonstrate some rattling, all those things you're so good at. So, uh, yeah, sure. Keep in touch. I'm sure me, you, and Kramer will be uh, texting it up over this next week as we're in the woods looking for a deer. So, uh, yeah, look, look forward to that. Yeah, and I got I just finished a video on tree stand use and kind of some safety stuff, but a lot of people aren't using tree stands and they're not just for bow hunters. So, right. I just finished that video up and I should have that up on Fish and Wildlife website or the YouTube channel here in the next couple of days. Oh, so. perfect. I'll grab and share it on our page as well to get that uh, get that information out there. So, always appreciate yeah. it, buddy. Take care, be safe in the woods and uh, looking forward to your picks. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, thanks you guys. Good luck out there. We'll be in touch. You Take got care. it. All right, have a good night. Tom Ryle, Pacific Northwest Bow Hunting. Look him up on uh, social media platforms, Facebook. He also is uh, he works with WDFW and a lot of his content gets put up there on 
the uh, social media platforms with WDFW. All right, Tommy, we're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. We are going to try and unpack this entire thing going on. WDFW under attack yet once again. Who are these groups? What do they stand for? And what is their, what is their plight here? It's pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. So help you folks understand some of this stuff that hit uh, the news media yesterday and social media and what exactly is going on. Don't go anywhere. We'll be out for a couple minutes. Come back right here at Fish and Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why Arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. Welcome back here in the studio. So, uh, Tommy, this uh, couple days ago, this last this last couple days, Andy Wagamot over there at Northwest Sportsman's Magazine mm-hmm. has put up a couple of articles. I tend to peruse what Andy has going on because he always has his thumb on the pulse. He does. Very informative and a lot of things that uh, we like to pay attention to and help him and all of us who are in this business try to get the information out, mm-hmm. educate folks. And so, you know, the thing that caught my eye was uh, the recent article posted by him. What is being billed as the inaugural... Washington Fish and Wildlife Management Reform Convention. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Washington, you know, Management Reform Convention. What is this? So as you start reading into this thing, it's a convention that is being hosted over there at Vashon Island at the campground. And it features some of WDFW's uh, fiercest courtroom and management opponents. There's also free vegan food. Yeah. Oh, okay. joy. So right there, yeah. I was like, now I'm laser beam on this <laughs> yeah, thing. I'm yeah, like, right, okay, right. who are these people and what do they stand for? And the chance yeah. to hobnob with some powerful state lawmakers. And I was like, okay. All right, Andy, what are you throwing out here? What are we reading? What does this all yeah, mean? Yeah, right? right. And it's, it's a two-day, 24-hour event. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's put on by the Washington Fish and Wildlife Management Reform Convention Steering Committee. That's quite the title, right? Their committee that they've determined to create. They've created, and it. Well, you know, who who is this, right? Yeah. You might ask. Well, it includes representatives from our least favorite folks, Wild <laughs> Fish Conservancy, uh-huh. the Conservation Angler, yep, the Center for Biological Diversity. I believe they're out of Arizona. Uh, yep, the Humane Society nationwide. Uh, the Northwest Animal Rights Network. Washington Wildlife First. Okay, those are the those are the main contributors to this. So they decided to have this small symposium or convention um, hosted at a certain location for a couple of days, and they have various topics. They're going, you know, and I'm trying. I'm going. What am I reading here? Why why are these groups getting together? Is this to benefit hunting and fishing in Washington State, or is there an agenda? And when I start seeing groups like that, I'm thinking, okay, what is their agenda? Right. Right. Uh, as it was written, together they aim to bring together fish and wildlife advocates from around the state to discuss the path forward, transforming the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, transforming right. the, Washington, the Department of Washington Fish and Wildlife into an agency that prioritizes conservation over consumption, emphasizes the intrinsic value of individual animals, a healthy ecosystem and represents the values of all the people of the state. Now, when you put an umbrella approach over something like this, right. when it's when it's when you drill down on it, and it's hunting and fishing in and, and you know fish and wildlife management. Okay, mm-hmm. 
and you want to you want to encompass all of Washington State, and the facts are, eleven percent of us fish, three percent of us hunt. That's mm -hmm. not all of Washington. I don't really care about the eighty-nine percentile's right. opinion right. on what it is we like to do. The golfers have their thing. I don't try to impose or create symposiums to now right, direct exactly. how the golfers are supposed to behave, <clears throat> right. right? Yep. So this this umbrella approach that is all inclusive for the entire state, I want nothing to do with. Right. No, I agree. Well, and and you know, you take take it one step further, right? And you look at well, who who individually is attending this, right, and speaking? Yeah. And so you know, among that list is Fred Coons, right? Now you remember that name because Fred was on our WDFW commission. He was, right? till he resigned. And you mm -hmm. and I, yeah, until he, until he resigned. Yes. Now you and I called it from the very beginning, right? We Fred did. Fred Koontz and Lorna Smith mm -hmm. have backgrounds in zoology and mm -hmm. a little bit of predator, you know, review. Yep. And we were concerned from day one. Yes, day we one when yes. their name was even mentioned mm -hmm. as a possibility to be on the commission. And, you know, they, bore their true colors, yep. and we saw how they talked about the Blue Mountains elk. We covered it here previous past episodes. Correct. And they said, hey, well, why does the elk objective need to be mm -hmm. 6,500? <clears throat> why can't it be 3,000, right? Yeah. Just just let it be what it's going to be, right? Let the cougars do their job, mm -hmm. right? Let the wolves move in and eat mm -hmm. the elk, right? Mm -hmm. So we already know where these folks stand, right? So now we're really getting to understand what this event is all about. Also... Uh, State Senator Christine Rolfus, mm -hmm. um, chair of the Ways and Means and member of Agricultural, Water, Natural Resources and Parks Committee, is also scheduled to be part of one of these boards. Yeah, she's going to be involved in the Q&A session and yep. trying to shed light on where the legislator stands on this. Now, when we remember back to last year, introduced bills and whatnot, there's a number of state legislators that are introducing bills, much like Hey, we'd like to see Department of Fish and Wildlife put under the Department of uh, Natural Resources, right. right? So you want to put that under DNR, uh, Hillary Franz, like overseeing WDFW and Department of Natural Resources. Like, mm -hmm. no. I mean, right. we, we've been down this road before, and you put everything under one uh, overseer. Right. Things don't go well, right? right? So uh, I'm getting concerned with the numbers of folks that are, you know, kind of lending their ear to these groups. Some of these legislators, and yes, as you mentioned, a few of our commissioners who, uh, so they want to they want to re redefine and you know kind of re re I don't know re recreate the way WDFW manages you know fish and wildlife. Okay, right. well that means they have to basically either completely change the commission, or hey, don't be so far fetched to think a few of the commissioners aren't on board and communicating with these people because. Mm. Lorna Smith has already shown her hand, as you alluded right. to, the Blues Mountains. Her idea was uh, all about observing wolves in their natural habitat, much like they do at Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. Right? She's perfectly comfortable. This is one of our current seated commissioners, perfectly comfortable with folks showing up at certain boundary areas and observing wolves in their natural habitat. That's not conservation. No. That's preservation. That's preservation, right? right? As an example. Yeah, right. Well, and these folks are going to tell you, right? Well, hey, we're not anti-fishing. We're not anti-hunting, right. right? But if you look at, you know, their voting records, their actions, mm -hmm. right? It says otherwise. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, you know, and I think uh, Andy Walgamott really did a good job pointing out. It's like, well, obviously, con first, uh, conservation always trumps consumption. Sure. Because... Otherwise, we wouldn't get that opportunity to hunt or fish year after year after year, Correct. right? Yep. And then you correctly pointed out, right? They don't really mean 
conservation over right. consumption. Right. They mean preservation, they do. right? Yeah. They're not they're not really interested in the Western game management model. No, they're not. They're at just all. they they're just there so that they can view an animal, mm -hmm. right? And they want to be completely hands off with the management of the animal. So if the wolves take over and they completely obliterate an elk herd, well, hey, that was that was meant to happen, Natural right? progression. Natural progression. You know, it's, um, yeah, preservation is the terminology used from peoples who come from the walks of zoos mm -hmm. and, and observing animals in this mm -hmm. uh, man-made habitat structure. So when you have a few who already seated on the commission that kind of lean that way and they're giving ear to these groups, these organizations that are walking with this, uh, with this agenda, in a state that is governed, such as Washington State, where fishing and hunting has really taken a back seat to everything and anything, it's like pulling teeth to get monies in the out of the legislators into the budget. You know, mm -hmm. WDFW has done a pretty good job the last couple of years. And look, they make mistakes from time to time, and Tommy and I will, you know, call them out and hold them accountable and try to get folks on to talk about stuff. But I'm here to tell you guys, we have outside organized groups that are teaming up together. And when I mean outside, I mean out of state, nationwide. Right. They're right. they're they're uh, they're loading these campaigns up, and they're taking them to California and parts mm -hmm. of Oregon, and now they're hitting Washington hard, and they're coming after our ability to hunt and fish, and they want to mm -hmm. retool the entire process and how that's right. done. And we have a person sitting at the top that, in my opinion, really doesn't have a problem with this. No. Right. Right. Really doesn't have a problem with this. So, if you think. The person, the number one overseer of your state doesn't have a say in how this stuff kind of evolves. It all comes back to who am I pointing to the commission? Right. Well, and people need to remember that the governor of this state, of mm -hmm. Washington state, mm -hmm. appoints each of those commissioners. Absolutely. Right? And a he single has, source. He has three of them to appoint at the end of this year. Right. Or as we roll into January, we have three seats coming up to be vacant. One of those may get reappointed because they have stood their ground on anti-hunting mm -hmm. and how they favorably voted for no spring bear hunt. Right. Two of them have been strongholds in our camp uh, to stand firm and support the spring bear hunt time and time again. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm almost willing to bet, well, the paycheck I don't get anymore, but uh, the fact that they will not be reappointed because mm -hmm. they don't tilt the line. Right. Right. So, and that's a whole other can of worms that we've discussed multiple times on this show, and we will probably continue to revisit that, especially yeah. as we get to January and we see who these new appointees will probably be. Uh, the main concern here is to pay attention. These groups are coming for our ability to fish and hunt in the state of Washington. If you think the tribes can save us, the tribes can definitely save themselves. These groups will have no governing ability mm -hmm. or right. change anything that has to do with the co-managers. Right. So don't even think that there's an option here for you know the tribes to save us. The tribes will right. do everything they can to hold on to what is rightfully theirs, mm -hmm. and they have proven that over time and time again, and good for them. But I'm telling you right mm -hmm. now, we need all the help we can get to fight back, and that's going to have to come from the people. Yep. That's going to have to come from the people storming the doors at these commission meetings and letting our voices be heard and making sure they understand that our fishing and hunting is not going to be taken away from these organized out-of-state groups. And we need to let the governor's office know that, no, we're, we're done playing softball here. Yep. It's time to play hardball and stand up for what is rightfully ours as citizens of this state, taxpaying mm -hmm. citizens of this mm -hmm. state. So uh, much more to come on this. Andy, uh, thank you much for continuing to put the information out there. Uh, on uh, Northwest uh, Sportsman's Magazine. We'll continue to follow and be in touch with you and other uh, media sources to try 
as Tommy and I can each and every week to keep this information going. So, um, all right, we're going to jump out for a quick break. And when we come back, we got a few uh, points of uh, information to get out and close out the show. Don't go anywhere. Be back here a couple minutes right after this break. Cutbacks in funding and fewer law enforcement resources are affecting our businesses and communities. If your business is feeling the effects, Phoenix Protective may be the solution you are looking for. They offer security solutions customized to meet your needs. From remote video monitoring in their 24-hour control center to a proactive, experienced security professional on site, Phoenix Protective has over 20 years experience in ensuring the safety of their customers. Team members are highly trained and proactive, giving them the ability to adjust to the changing needs of their customers. Customers choose to work with Phoenix Protective because they provide the next level in security support to industries such as schools, hospitals, transit, and utilities. For a security assessment to see how Phoenix Protective can help you and your business, visit their website at www.phoenixprotectivecore.com and select contact. Welcome back here in studio to Wayne England, Tommy Donlin. As we wind down the show, so there you were. There friend, I was. Standing on a steep hillside. I was. In a spike elk behind a tree. Right, and I'm looking, I'm looking downhill, you know, kind of at a pretty wide angle, and all of a sudden I catch movement out of my right eye, and I look over, and boom, here's this, here's this spike. You know, he heard the bugle two minutes yeah. earlier. Yeah. He's looking for the party. Yeah. And uh, trotting down the hill, stops behind some trees. And uh, I can just barely see him through the brush. I take my tripod, move it over, you know, get my gun on it. And then I look over and I'm like, where'd he go? He's gone. Uh, right? And I'm thinking, did he just see me? Right. That little that movement, movement that I made, did he see mm. me? And then he trots some more. And I'm watching him run down this ridge. You know what I'm thinking? He's not going to stop, man. He really wants to find the party. He really wants to find the party. Do a cow call anything? And I'm, yeah, I was getting ready to. Okay. I was getting ready to. Right. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, well, if he's going to, you know, if he's going to stop or I'm going to have an opening, it's going to be right here. I got this one opening between the timber. And so I just focus on that area, um, low magnification. And sure enough, he walks into that shooting lane. Um, perfectly, and I release 180 grain Acubon <laughs> at close to 3,000 feet per second. Uh -huh. And absolutely, and he was how far? Uh, he was about 100? 100, 110 yards oh, okay. or so. I didn't even range it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even range yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, took the took the top of his heart off, and uh, I, he didn't even make it 10 yards. And then he and then he tumbled about 40 yards, 50 yards. And pretty steep hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like you're just praying like. Oh, please stop. Please stop. Hang up you on know. something. Yep. Yeah. And he did. He hung up on a bush. Oh, there he is. It is game over. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's a know. follower of ours, apparently. Yeah, he is. He is. I, I caught him with the uh, Fish Hunt Northwest hat on. Uh, go figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, but one thing that's unique about him is he's still in the velvet. Still in velvet. Still mm -hmm. in velvet. And I didn't, you know, you and I were talking about this before the show, and I had not realized that it could potentially be because of injury or because of low, low T. T levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which obviously you and I don't have a problem with. No, but, not uh, at all. Because no. we get plenty the of doctor was impressed. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I've uh, had multiple conversations with folks over the years, and sometimes a uh, uh, like a rear leg injury can cause some wonky stuff going on where they stay in velvet like the whole year. Yeah. Um, or they uh, they have weird antler development. Uh, yeah. You know because of that. 
but also um, it's a uh, it's a case where yeah they have something going on with very low testosterone production. And that's odd. Mm -hmm. That's odd. I mean, he didn't make any noises, so I couldn't you know sure, judge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, I'm not a, a very experienced at uh, judging testicle size of these animals. Either, yeah, that's so another valid point. It's hard yeah. for it's hard for me to really say. Yeah, but, um, whether or not he one was... thing I do know is there was no trauma. Okay. In the rear quarters or anywhere on the animal. Up I mean, until he met you. Up until he met me. Um, as far as I can <laughs> tell, significant trauma. Com completely healthy yeah. spike. Yeah, and, interesting. Um, yeah. You know, I'm thankful to have them. Because Mark's spike was completely uh, rough. Yeah, Mark's spike he did not have any velvet right. whatsoever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Yep. So uh, nicely done. And then the work started right at dusk and oh, the, yeah. the pack out, huh? Yeah, got back to camp around 2 a.m. Oh, perfect. So it was a nighttime operation. Uh huh. You know, hoping hoping that no bears or cougars yeah. found the site. You know, and as you far as your, I know, they didn't. They could have been following me. With you. I but, know you do. So, yeah. well, nicely done. I mean, look, everybody wants to go after and get those branch bulls for sure, right? Yeah. But, yeah. hey, man, you go to Idaho, you're paying out-of-state license fees. Yeah, tough hunting conditions. Travel time, tough hunting yeah. conditions. Nobody's seeing nothing. Full moon, right. extremely warm. Yeah. It's actually a blessing to get it so late towards the evening that you could, you know, break it down in the night right. when it was cooler temps. Yep. So you didn't yep. at least have to deal with 80 degree temps, 75 degree temps, you yep. know, at one o'clock in the afternoon. So kudos for that. Well, but and the nice thing about nobody else shooting anything at that, that one evening is that I got all my, all the help in the world, right? Everybody showed up. Yep. That mm -hmm. bull came out in one shot. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, Five so guys. It should be. Nicely done. up the mountain. Outstanding. Well, uh, well worth it. You got uh, another hunt coming up here in November. And, um, yes, indeedy. Yep. I'll be hunting locally here. I'm excited to get out this weekend i am just it's all about hunting man i just i can't i can't wait to get the text yeah i'm looking forward yeah to it. another selfie me and a deer only selfie yep. i take all year <laughs> me and a deer i got nobody yeah. else with me that's right, right. yeah so, so i gotta do it right yeah uh speaking of hunts hey we do have our uh duck and goose hunt two-day duck hunt coming up ross outdoors ross outdoor adventures uh, November 6th, arrival, hunt the 7th and the 8th. This is a two-day duck hunt over there with Shelby and crew. Two nights lodging, dinner included both nights. It's only $3.75 a day. You get a full day of hunting. You get pampered in the duck blind. It is just an absolutely great time and uh, well worth the investment. And then in December, we're going to do a two-day combo trip. Duck the first day, goose the second. We arrive December 12th, hunting the 13th and the 14th. Now, we uh there'll be duck on the 13th goose or yeast on the 14th um two nights lodging dinner included also 375 per day you can't beat that price man it is uh well worth the investment come over have a great time shelby takes care of us um everything is i mean you basically go out there get dropped off in the duck blind and you spend the morning to afternoon hunting and um it's just a really great time to get with like-minded people get out of mm -hmm. the busyness of work and the the city around you and just you know go spend some time out on the water um check out our facebook page for all the information get a hold of shelby uh call the phone number sign up tell them you're with fhn and you want to get in on the one or two day event you can sign up for one day you don't have to be there for both days yeah so you can sign mm -hmm. up for one day that's just fine but um yeah we still got room and uh we'd like to see folks jump on board because it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. So it's fast and furious action. I can tell you that it much. is fast and furious yeah. action. And, uh, you know, the, um, the duck hunt in November is going to be very fun as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, looking forward to this weekend, you know, if, um, we, we get enough rain, I, I don't, I don't foresee any rivers opening up by this weekend. So whatever's open right now is open and you can have opportunity to go after them. But, uh, 
after this, you know, as we get into this next week, by the time you and I are back here next Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, significant change could come about. We may be back on the rivers, but it all depends on water clarity and how fast they're going to be on the drop. Um, if, uh, if that's not going to work for you, duck hunting uh, is definitely going to definitely going to improve here on the west side with the water coming. Uh, deer hunting, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. over the next couple of days. So pretty excited, looking forward awesome. to the weekend. So. All right, uh, I think that's going to do it for us. We've covered uh, everything we wanted to get through this evening. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Hopefully, if you haven't, check us out on Root Sports. We are there every single weekend. Typically, they're replaying our show multiple times a week. If you don't catch it um, the first time, you know, check it out Saturday or Sunday morning. Once in a while, they sprinkle in a Wednesday, Thursday. Catch the first hour of our show, half hour of our show, uh, each and every week. So uh, happy to be there. Uh, also check out all our social media platforms. Give us likes and follows. Uh, that's been just screaming on the uptick because of Root Sports. I'm yeah, telling you, man, it's right. been good. So, a lot of exposure. Um, yep. Hopefully, you find time to get out this weekend. For hunters, <laughs> man, get out there, go get something, bag it up, um, and post your picks on our Facebook page or Instagram. We love to share content with you all and like to be interactive with you. So show us what you get. Hopefully you are successful. Keep it safe, and we'll see you next week, Thursday night, 6 p.m., right here from the FHN studio. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, Go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.